Welcome to Hashtag Travel Talks. It's your podcast on the latest digital trends in travel and tourism marketing. And here's your host, Nolly Nicholas. Welcome to a new episode of uh, Travelcast. And today I receive Paul. So if I'm not wrong, it's Paul Belungsea. Paul Bulencha. Okay. So, Paul, thank you for your time. And uh, can you present yourself? Thank you uh, for having me, Nicholas. I'm glad to be on uh, on the podcast. I am um, many things. <laughs> It's hard to describe <laughs> me um, in, in one term, but um, let's start. So I'm the co-author of a book called Gamification in Tourism, Designing Memorable Experiences. I'm the co-founder of the College of Extraordinary Experiences an immersive learning conference about experience design that takes place in a castle in Poland. And I'm also chief experience officer of Jobak LARP Studios, a um, company um, with three offices in um, on the West Coast in US, in Denmark and in Poland. And we're an immersive experience design studio. Um, but I, I like to call myself an, uh, an experience designer. Yeah. And... Uh... Can you tell us about uh, how did you, let's say, came out with your gamification in tourism? The book, yes. Well, um, I, I graduated from the Salzburg University of Applied Sciences in 2015, where I studied a master's in innovation in tourism. And it was um, an incredible study program where we focused a lot of our studies on the field of experience design. How can um, we think about tourism? Tourism has been designing experiences since the start. So experiences are actually the essence of the tourism industry. But um, looking at experience design with an academic lens or being more mindful that we're experience designers in tourism is just something that has recently um, started to grow as a field of research and also as a, as a field for practitioners. So this is what, what my two years of study have been like. And then um, my professors and co-author Roman Egger, who is very deep in the field of technology and tourism, looked on the Gartner hype cycle and saw that gamification is, is a big trend. And we both looked at it and we found it compelling, mostly because if we look at game design, the goal of game designers is to create memorable experiences in the game world and uh, the game of tourism providers is also to create memorable experiences, but there are two different approaches of how you would look at designing a tourism experience and how you would look at designing a game experience. And if we think about it a bit more, tourism experts are very good at creating physical um, live experiences that touch upon the, the senses very well. But when it comes to create long-term engagement and flow, they're not as good as game designers. So on the other side, game designers are very good at creating um, engagement. So if we look at, 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 at um, um, video game players, if you look at, the, at their face when they're, when they're playing, they're completely immersed. So game designers are very good at creating engagement, but they don't have the advantage that tourism providers have, which is live experience being embedded in the environment stepping outside of the virtual. So combining these two elements um, uh, um, became my starting point. And then I, uh, I was diving in the subject for one and a half years in a lot of fields like psychology, sociology. 
anthropology, service design, experience design, um, a lot of different interesting aspects and lenses to look at um, these two approaches to design. Can you more explain that how, let's say, your frameworks works for a destination? A framework for a destination? Well, uh, can you be a bit more specific on that question? Because I, I can see that uh, you say that the design is like it's a game design and you also design a framework which is in your book. So can you, let's say, develop up a, a little bit more? Um, yeah, so the, the framework that I wrote about in the book is adapted from positive psychology, yet again, a new field in, in psychology. And this has been uh, founded by two uh, psychologists called Martin Seligman and Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, the author of also Flow. And they, um, especially Martin, um, said that he has been um, in therapy for a very long time. And then he, he realized that actually he has a framework and, and psychology is focused basically on how to cure mental disease. And lots of his patients, he managed to bring from minus seven to zero, minus two to zero, minus 10 to zero, and did not have any framework or any science-based approach in how to bring them from zero to plus five. So he always ended up having patients that did not have disease, but again, they were, they were not experiencing well-being, so they felt numb. So Martin Seligman wrote a book called Flourish, um, and he said that studying happiness is a bit more complicated to, to, to develop and design a framework for studying happiness because happiness is a bit fleeting. Um, so he looked at well-being because well-being is, is long-term. So he identified five pillars of well-being, um, what makes an experience memorable in tourism. I looked at, at research in, uh, in that field and it was very interesting to see that Everything that science shows us that um, makes an experience in tourism memorable fits to these five elements. And then I also looked at game design and look at what makes a uh, game engaging and all of the elements that science show us that make a game engaging also fit in these five pillars that Martin Seligman defines. So the, um, the main framework of the book is the PERMA framework. So the five elements of well-being are positive emotion, meaning, engagement, positive relationship, accomplishment. So if I put them in order, uh, PERMA, positive emotions, engagement, relationship, meaning, and accomplishment, PERMA. And then I, I looked at tourism and, and game design, and I looked, took all the mechanics out, all the examples out, all the, the interesting ideas of how to design for each element, and I put them inside this, um, this framework to help practitioners create better and well-balanced designs so you can design memorable experiences that promote well-being and also have a long-lasting impact on your guests. Now I'm just looking at your memorable experience design framework. And um, for example, I, I see in your first part the positive emotion. And you say that there is some progression into some patterns that, for example, you put the progression pattern, the boss fights, and the life jackets. Can you explain more of what you were saying? 
Okay, at which one you're looking exactly? The first one, uh, it's um, when I look at um, positive emotion, and the first one is relaxation and tension. Yes. So, I mean, each element of the framework has sub-elements. So, for example, positive emotion has relaxation and tension, uh, familiarity and novelty, surprise and aesthetics, and then they, at their time, also have sub subsets. So, um, if we think of positive emotions and tourism or game design, everything that is engaging has a very good balance of relaxation and tension. So, for example, if we think of skiing, it's very important that um, in a destination you strategically position places where people can relax. So before they have an intense skiing um, session, there is also a place where they can relax. And the more we can increase and equally balance. So, for example, right now, if you think at ski destinations, the most things that you can do while you're skiing and relax is basically stop somewhere to eat listen to some music and maybe sit in the sun and drink something. And yet, if you look at this framework is how can we build positive emotion by counterbalancing the relaxation that the skiers feel by creating a different, uh, uh, by counterbalancing the tension that skiers feel and engagement by creating a more compelling, a more immersive relaxation experience than food and beverage and music. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> in a second chapter you are talking about familiarity and novelty so if we take the example of the ski for example it could be i don't know a ski station on which they had they do some happening or some i would say after ski special like this like that or say something else yeah well familiarity and novelty is again um you also have to think of relationships. So if we think of being uh, skiing, right? So you can ski with, with someone that you don't know or a friend that does not know the destination. Um, then you're, you're experiencing familiarity and novelty. So we have to think of ways of how to create social experiences where you can bring in new people to destinations or where you, where you can bring people that know each other to new destinations. Because... Familiarity is always having some sort of safety. If you think of Maslow, you need to feel safe. So something familiar, if I'm from, from a specific destination, it might be familiar to me, but if I'm bringing a friend, a distant relative or a good friend from a different country, I will experience both familiarity and novelty by introducing him or her to, to that new destination. And my friend will also experience familiarity because she or he knows me and novelty because the destination is new. So we can look at it from this perspective or what is uh, another example that is not necessarily uh, related to social is how can we create and insert within a mountain destination or any other, any other type of destination something new every day, something that changes, whether there is a new sculpture, um, within sculpture that always changes. So then people are always looking forward to see that, whether there are some hidden treasures somewhere that you can look for every day, whether there is a new menu every day or a new band play or something of that. Wait, always building something new in an experience that seems familiar helps or 
having something familiar in an, in an experience that is too new. For example, if you're going to a new destination that is completely unknown, it is very important that we design for familiarity. So for a system that we might be aware of and so on. So for example, for familiarities, it could be, for example, uh, in Paris, you have the Eiffel Tower, and but they can do some games also around this monument, for example. We can take any destination or, or tourism experience and then we can, uh, we can brainstorm about what it could be by using um, this tool that could be a way of approaching it. Because what I realized um, after I wrote the book and doing a lot of presentations and so on, the framework more or less became embedded to how I operate. And I think one of the major, major problems that the tourism industry has now is that it's way too familiar. <laughs> Nothing is novel. Even though there's some games going around the Eiffel Tower, um, the games themselves are, are not that innovative. So since I wrote my book two and a half years ago, I've been traveling the world a lot. I've uh, been speaking at a lot of uh, travel-related conferences. I've been designing a lot of experiences and I've been working a lot with governmental bodies and, and all sorts of organizations and destinations. And I have not been impressed by too many experiences. I have only been impressed by individual elements like we're talking here, let's say. Maybe that was there was an experience in Paris that I tried and had a very well um balance between relaxation and tension, but it did not have a holistic approach to having all the five elements of the PERMA model included so that I'm going like, wow, <laughs> this has been immersive, this, this has changed my life, I need to tell all my friends about this experience, um, rather than, wow, this was a cool experience, but um, nothing that touched me deeply. And if we think of future of tourism, and there's a lot of talk um, around that, we see that we're moving slowly from experiences to people that want to be personally touched and transformed to grow and self-actualize. Um, and there are very, 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 very few experiences that are carefully designed step by step by using these tools and any other tools uh, out there to transform guests. I have a question because I'm very surprised to see that why did uh, any destination, let's say, use your framework or another for their destination? Because what do you think is the reason why they did not, I would say, implement that kind of experience in their country, town, city? Got it. Well, I, I have several ideas about why that, and they're all not scientifically tested. These are just coming from personal experience. So I think that um, it always depends on the destination that we're talking about. So like, if we think about Paris, they already have way too many tourists. So they don't, uh, they don't have a problem. There is no sense of urgency for most destinations that have a high number amount of tourism coming at their doorstep. So usually um, destinations that are doing good with, uh, with tourist, tourism numbers are not interested that much in innovating because people are coming and paying anyways. That is one challenge. Um, a second challenge is that, for example, if we think of any type of uh, revolution, so I, I would reference um, your listeners to 
read the book called The Experience Economy by Pine and Gilmore. And he talks about the transition from an agriculture-based economy to an industrial-based economy to a service-based economy to an experience-based economy to a transformation-based economy. So I believe that most Western society are in a transitions between a service to an experience economy and very, very few innovative people are, are experimenting and moving towards a transformational economy. So there are very, very, very few people in that field. So when we think about this evolution, and if we think at each step of, of, of a, the dawn of a new uh, era of thinking, like there has to be a lot of experimentation um, when we're shifting from one model of thinking to the other. And there are very few experimentalists out there. And most people in tourism are used to standardization or mo proven models that work. And thinking of experience design, um, this is something that is new. And this is something that slowly starts to have a proven working model. So for example, if we look at escape rooms, escape rooms have boomed since three to four yeah. years ago. Um, but at the beginning, they were all experimental. And with whomever you would have talked in the tourism industry, they would not have believed that um, this sort of, of, let's say, escape room tourism would be profitable, would be so big. And yet, here it is to prove you uh, wrong. Now, if we think of immersive transformational experiences, we see all sorts of retreats of different types happening worldwide. Yoga retreats, we see Burning Man, we see Sleep No More in New York, we see um, Nya Wolf that I really recommend. Um, you can add to the show notes so people can check it out. We see more and more um, sorts of this type of ex design experiences popping up. But by knowing all of the people that have designed, for example, Burning Man or Sleep No More or even Escape Room or um, any other type of experience like what we are doing, live action role play experiences where we're renting castles and we're renting historical sailing ships and creating immersive role playing experiences for four days where people can be um, can experience a unique personal narrative of stories coming to life. Um, these are all very new trends. They're very niche. And the tourism industry is not connected to them. Um, so um, we met at the United Nations World Travel, um, uh, World Tourism Organization, UNWTO, and none of the people or very few of the people in the audience knew about this, this trend. So when you're talking to anyone in tourism, they will first need to have a learning curve and they will also need to have a sense of urgency. What is very interesting to me is that how the Middle East is moving very, very, very fast towards this type of tourism because they realized that, um, for example, uh, if we think of the Emirates, they have took the standard model of tourism, which is luxury brands, luxury hotels, luxury experiences, and theme parks. This was an already standard proven model of how tourism works. But now they have a major, major problem because they have so many theme parks and they have very few to almost none visitors attending these theme parks and they're not profitable. And now they're looking at different ways of creating tourism 
and they're looking towards um, people like us that are experienced designers, designers of transformational experiences. They have a sense of urgency. They have learned in a very fast time uh, and know that the way tourism has been until now is not sustainable for the future and they're willing to change. While in, 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 in other destinations, things are working as normal, so then there is no need or urgency for innovation. And do you think that the fact of the lack of experience is the reason of, of with the current issues of over-tourism in, let's say, in major city in Europe, because the fact that the local tourist offices are didn't plan or they just welcoming the travelers, but they don't, I would say, create experience who bring them outside, I would say, the big cities. Well, I think it's, um, so if, if your question is, why are some destinations overcrowded, uh, right, is it? Yes, yeah. Well, I think there are, there are a lot of factors, but some interesting factors that fascinate me is um, what in, in the experience economy theory and evolution of from an agricultural economy to a transformational economy. If you're not offering transformations and you're offering services and experiences, they can become commoditized. That means mm -hmm. if we look at the destination life cycle, there is a theory talking about the destination life cycle. There is a new destination um, and there, is, there are very few possibilities of accommodation. Now with Airbnb, with Airbnb that has increased. So the more people you bring in, there is a bigger need for creating um, accommodation facilities, right? Yeah. yeah. So then you have more and more hotels, more and more Airbnbs, more and more beds. And the more and more beds you have, no matter how, how much cool or design looking you make them, you will reach a point where price, because there are so many, is going to be influenced by the supply and demand. Yes. People have built on a speculation that more and more tourists are continuing to come, then they build more and more accommodation. Now, when a destination becomes overcrowded, is because there, it becomes cheaper for people to go and visit because there has been so many beds that now need to be sold. So there is a lot of money pushed into marketing them uh, and more and more people show up. So then the destination does not become sustainable um, environmentally and also experience wise, because now you have over, over demand. And of course you're not interested in making an extraordinary experience if you can sell it anyways. Because you're guaranteed to have the same amount of travelers, so you don't need to make some efforts. Exactly. You just need to optimize for profit. <laughs> okay. And um, my last question for you, and uh, what was your memorable travel? My most memorable travel? Now that's a good question. I said that ever since I launched the book, it was hard for me to find a designed experience, mindfully designed experience for me um, that I was impressed by. And I took matters in my own hands after I met Klaus Rastet, who is now my, my partner and co-founder. Um, and he created 
an experience called College of Wizardry. Okay. And a live action role play experience that takes place in a 14th century castle in Poland, two hours away from Berlin, where you can uh, become a student at the magical school, um, more or less inspired by Harry uh, Potter and okay. So you can uh, role play for four days, a student at a, or, or a professor, and be in the, sleep in this castle, which is actually a castle hotel. So for everyone out there that has an extraordinary looking location, whatever it is, mm-hmm. use storytelling and make it come to life. You can allow people to live their, their own personal stories in the theme that that place is inspiring. So I was a, I was a student at the school for four days, um, taking classes, going to alchemy, um, to the alchemy lab, um, learning all sorts of stuff and doing live storytelling that is improvised on the spot with 150 other people from 40 different countries that came there okay. for four days that I did not know who they are in real life. I just found out after the game was over. And this was truly transformational, so transformational that now I've become partners with Klaus, the, the, the founder of the company and the co-founder of the company. And now we're, we're partners together and are creating this type of experiences um, that are inspired by game design thinking, by role-playing, by psychology to also teach people in the tourism industry and beyond people from Google, people from Lego, people from Disney, um, how to create such transformational experiences by founding the college of external experiences and bringing all of these people from the creative industries, from the experience economy together to figure out how we can boost tourism, and, and create this sustainable, transformational uh, world that we're looking to, to live in. I have a question. As we are, I would say, talking about RPG and so on, what do you think about the um, VR technology? Because I think it's the same kind of with experience, no? Well, what is very interesting is that when, when, when I'm looking to, to talk at a conference or do consulting for a client, they're always talking about technology. They're always talking about mechanics, about tools, about trends. But ultimately, it's about, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, what experience do you want to offer to your participants, to your guests? We call them participants because it's interactive um, experience. Mm-hmm. What are you aiming for first? What is your goal? What is your purpose? What do you want to? What do you want to? bring to life? What do you want to change? What do you want to improve? What do you want to see the world um, um, as, uh, as an entrepreneur? And once you have that figured out, then virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, game design, psychology, whatever it is, they're just tools for you to achieve that goal. So I see virtual reality as a tool um, that has to fit in a place of very well uh, defined intentional purpose. Okay. And uh, so you didn't answer to my question. So what was your memorable travel? Yeah, the, the College of Wizardry. Yeah, okay. So I traveled to Poland to a 14th century castle um, where I 
took place in a ex design experience with 150 other people from all over the globe uh, pretending to be a wizard. I think I have, I have to try it. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, we have two editions starting now in, uh, in April. Oh, okay. So it's with uh, wizardry.college. That's the, that's the website. Okay. And then there, there's another one. I just have two uh, memorable travel experiences. And then here I'm talking about experiences that were designed and that did not happen by random because I have a lot of that, like everyone else. But it's very important to look at experiences that are intentionally designed for us step by step. And the other one was Meow um, Roof in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is defined as immersive art, which I also advise people to, to visit. Okay. So college would be... And definitely the College of Extraordinary Experience, which is one of the most amazing conferences that I've been part of as organizing and also participating. And how can we reach you? Well, um, I will leave you my Twitter. So it's my first and second name. So Paul Bulencia, that's my Twitter. Um, and I have three websites. One of them is Gamification in Tourism. So if you just Google that, the first result, you will find my website. The other one is extraordinary.college, that's the College of Extraordinary Experiences, and jobak.studio, that's our design studio. So I can give you the links and you can put them in the show notes. Yeah, okay. So, Paul, thank you for your time and uh, wish you all the best in your wizardry school. <laughs> thank you very much, Nicholas. Thank you, bye. bye.